Well, again, welcome to Lent, a season in our life of introspection and self-denial. It's a time to give up, and it's a time to take on. Give up in that we lay down some of the things that we cling on to in life, things like I'm being told some people are giving up social media and chocolate, things like that that we enjoy and just take for granted, and in turn, we're really pondering our desires and are they Christ-like. And it's a time of taking on, not just giving up, Jesus said to take up the cross and follow him. And it's a time where we take up the cross in our servanthood, the towel and the basin, and follow more faithfully our Lord. And we say, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And we strive to grow closer to Christ. So we're beginning a new sermon series that we're calling Peeled. And we want to challenge each and every one of you to invite the Holy Spirit to peel back the layers of your heart, to look deeply within your life, those places that need to be surrendered to God, where you need to be more faithful and more fruitful. And we want to invite you today to begin this journey, inviting Christ to be present with you, the Holy Spirit to be upon your heart and life, that you may be that faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Now, spiritual fruit will show itself in your life as a change in your character, in your attitude, in, in your outlook. Now, let me ask you today, do you have a ripe life? Is your life ripe with an orchard of spiritual fruit, the scripture speaks about this fruit of the spirit. I know in our day, in a lot of places, the bar is kind of low. And in a lot of places, uh, the church for a lot of folks is just handing out the bread and the water and physical sustenance. But we're talking about handing out the living water and the living bread. And I wonder today if you are really growing in this orchard of spiritual fruit. Now, somebody has written a little humorous prayer that maybe is kind of representation of the modern culture in which we find ourselves. that kind of uh, uh, really kind of mock or even it's focused on self-service. And they wrote this prayer. It says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my croissant to keep. I, I pray my stocks are on the rise and that my analyst is wise. That all the wine I sip is white and that my hot tub's watertight. That racquetball won't get too tough. That all my sushi is fresh enough. I pray my cordless phone still works. That my career won't lose its perks. My microwave won't radiate. My condo won't depreciate. I pray my health club doesn't close and that my money market grows. And if I go broke before I wake, I pray my Volvo they won't take. <laughs> in this series, we want you to get real about where you are in your life. To look into the mirror 
and explore we're standing in relationship to Jesus Christ. And as we spend time with Christ, you get to know Christ better. I was part of a group yesterday, and we had a little mixer, and somebody handed out a pile of pennies, and we each picked up a penny, and they said, now look at the date on the penny, and then share something that was going on in your life in, in that year. And the group got closer to one another as we shared things about our lives, about who we are as people, and we grew closer together. And you know, on this journey, as we spend time with Christ, as we think about his word, as we meditate on his word, and we study his word, suddenly his mission becomes our mission. His purpose becomes our purpose. And his life really becomes what we are striving for. In this series, too, we are going to reflect some here on the writings of Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And particularly, we are going to look down in verse 22, and we're going to notice the fruit here that Paul talks about of the Spirit. It is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And, you know, possessing spiritual fruit is not something you can fake. You're going to know whether you have this fruit in your life or not. There is the story that is out there of this home where this young teenage uh, man, he was living with his folks, and out beside his window was this fruit tree. And it was a tree that had been there for years, and he was living on the second floor. There, that was where his bedroom was. And uh, he would oftentimes escape the house by opening the window and shimming down this tree. And oftentimes he would leave the house without mom and dad knowing anything about it. And oftentimes he would especially try to evade the father whenever he was coming to deliver punishment or to have him to do a chore and he would just kind of leave. Well, one day at supper, they were gathered around, and they were eating, and the father announced, you know, I'm going to cut this old fruit tree down out beside our house. It hasn't bore any fruit in years. It troubled the teenager, and he told his buddies that night, and you know what they did? In a couple of days, they got a couple of bushel of apples, and they came under the cover of darkness that night. He slipped out, and they tied apples all over that tree. And the next day, the father got up, and he just couldn't believe his eyes. And he said, honey, you're not going to believe this. This tree, which hasn't borne fruit in years, has now got apples all over. It's a miracle. It's a pear tree. <laughs> now, I want you to know it comes as no surprise here in this text, that love is the first fruit of the Spirit. It's mentioned here by the Apostle Paul in this listing of the nine spiritual crops to be harvested by the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible sums it up anyway when it says God is love there in 1 John. Now, in reality, love is really the only spiritual fruit for all the others are in some form a derivative of this. 
I mean, can you truly be patient without that element of love? Can you truly know peace? Can you really be gentle and have self-control and be good and faithful without love? Love is a powerful thing, and it's the thread that's kind of woven throughout these nine crops for our life. Love is the first thing that ought to be evident to everybody if you call yourself a Christ follower. All the others are but just added color in the kaleidoscope of the Christian life. In each of the other eight here, spell out more clearly in this text the variety of the manifestations of the presence of God in the life of a person. And when the God of love dwells in your life, you will have this fruit cocktail, if you will, these wonderful bounty of fruit going on in your life. Now, Paul details here very interestingly in Galatians 5, as Jenny read it before us, these two ways of living. And I think it's interesting as Paul is kind of describing here these ways of the flesh, our human tendency, all the kinds of things that we lash out in our own human inclination to be a part of. And Paul begins to list these things, all of these things. And in, then he concludes, if you notice, and things like that. In other words, he could have gone on listing forever all the kinds of crazy things that people do in human nature. But then when it came to detailing the presence of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer, it is much simpler. And it begins with love. The fruit involves this harvest of the Holy Spirit giving a unified character to what the Spirit produces in a believer's life. And so he writes in the next chapter, in chapter 6, And so let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now what will we reap at harvest time? It's a crop of love. Just as good trees bear uh, good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. And you remember there in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about this and he said, Our grapes gathered from thorns and figs from thistles. He said, A good tree can't bear uh, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown out. And thus, he said, You shall know them by their fruit. Now, when we were in the Holy Land, we went to an olive tree kind of a shop where they were selling uh, olive wood pieces that had been shaped into nativity scenes and crosses and the Lord's Supper and so many different things where they had used this wood and, and manufactured these wonderful pieces, oftentimes by hand. And, you know, you kind of would see these trees, and I'm told, and I don't remember the tour guide speaking about it, but as I read about it, I understand that there is a counterfeit Hollywood tree. And it's like the original genuine tree in all of its parts, but the thing about it is, it is a tree that doesn't bear fruit like the olive. It, it's kind of a counterfeit. They call it the, the wild uh, olive or the oleander. And you know, when I stop and think about that, I wonder if you are like the wild olive or are you like the genuine tree that's bearing fruit? 
just what is this love? You know, without a doubt, love is the central component here of this fruit of the spirit that Paul here is writing about. Our faith is grounded in the fact that God loved us so much that he gave up his life willingly for our life. We know that love is involved in the two great commandments that Jesus gave us. He said, on the one, you need to love God with all of your heart. Love God with all of your strength, all of your, your, your mind, to love God with your whole soul. That means you, your soul, is in essence who you are. And he said the second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. The words love and loving appear, somebody counted up over 600 times. And love is the one thing listed here as being a fruit of the Spirit. But much that is called love, as you know in our modern society today, really bears no resemblance to what this show here of uh, relationship is in the scripture about how Jesus really loves us. We don't always get to see the many examples of that kind of holy love on display in our world, but as we turn to the pages of the New Testament, you find it there often, the story of how God really loves us. The New Testament, as you know, was written in Greek, and uh, which uses really more words to reflect the meaning of a thought than English. In fact, they say that English is kind of a lazy language. Take the word fast, for example. It can mean that you are quick as a hiccup, or it can mean that collars don't run, or it can mean to be to really tie something up. Or it can mean you're not going to eat. Or you, your watches gain time. Or it can mean that you are loyal. Or it can mean that you are fast asleep. Or that you're close to something. And another word that's like this is the word love in our language. We throw that word love around all the time. In different kinds of contexts, we use the word love. I love whose line it is. I love my dog. I love flying. I love pizza. I love my kids, that parental love. Or I love my spouse, that romantic love. Or I love my parents, that affectionate love. Or I love my friend, that brotherly love. Or I love all of you. And the Greek language really has a different amount of words that speak to all of those kinds of moments and contexts in our life, like brotherly love or intimate love. But here Paul is using this agape love. Agape is not referring to those kinds of expressions of love, and agape is less a feeling of the heart, and it's more a feeling of the mind. It involves faithfulness. It involves goodness. And it's much an act of the will as it is an act of the emotion. And fruit-bearing love involves a blend of these things, of trust and obedience and faithfulness. And it never gives up. It never looks back. It never stops growing. But you know what? A fruitless tree is not part of God's plan. Luke 13 and verse 7, as the Lord begins to share. You know, it kind of reminds me about the fellow that was inebriated 
And he stayed up and partied hard until the wee hours of the morning, and he stumbled down to his rowboat, so he was going to go to the other side of the lake. And he got in the boat, he grabbed the oars, and he started to row and row and row. And after an hour or two, he realized he wasn't going anywhere, and the sun, the the, the sun, the day started to break, and he realized he hadn't moved an inch. And it was because he forgot to untie the boat that was attached to the shore. And many are tied to their bad habits like that in the life of their faith and their walk with Christ. Fruit will always be a product of growth. And if you don't have roots, you'll have no fruit. If you're not attached to the vine, you will not be bearing forth the fruit of Jesus Christ. Fruit will always be that byproduct. Now, we went to the Golan Heights, and you could see why they had that six-day wars there. That is an incredible, fertile land. Just in moments, there was, as far as the eye can see, all kinds of things. Everything from, uh, you know, mangoes and all kinds of citrus things to eucalyptus and lemon and dates and olive and, and bananas, do you know they tell us the banana tree is one of the most resilient trees there is, that it can withstand the typhoons of life, it can withstand forest fires. They tell us you can even cut it into a thousand pieces and it still won't kill it. Only uprooting it kills the tree. And as a believer, you need that kind of anchor to be attached to the vine of Jesus Christ. Now, love as Christians understand it, is not a human achievement, but it is a divine origin, a gift of God. And our goal is to know Christ and to show the love of God more and more each day. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us to do in 1 John, to abide and then to testify. Abide is to know the love of Christ, and to testify is to show or to tell others about the love of Christ and the sinful nature gratifies what is contrary to the spirit and so let us be that garden today in progress are you a garden in progress you know if you know anything at all about gardening you know there's weeds you know there is fungicides herbicides pesticides and exercise if you know what I mean tending to the garden making sure things are going to grow, making sure it's watered, making sure it's well taken care of. And when you're growing in Jesus Christ, you become more like Christ. You're going to deal with weeds. The Holy Spirit is going to identify areas of your life where they need to be adjusted and cleaned up so you continue to grow, asking the Holy Spirit to weed your life of all things that are not pleasing to God. I'll never forget the story in one church where there was this lady outside and she was really having a struggle outside and it was the day that we had a food pantry and we were handing out food and one of the food pantry workers saw this lady kind of outside sitting there at like a little bus stop area and invited her to come in and said we would love to share with you some warm food today and we have a grocery bag full that we want to give you bread and food and we want to let you know that God loves you and the lady didn't even budge just continued to look down and then almost on the impulse of the Holy Spirit this food pantry worker 
reached down and took the lady's hand and kissed it and put her arm around her shoulder and said, no, we really love you and we really care. And the lady began to sob. Finally, she stood up. They walked her into the church and she received that physical food and bread. But then she heard the the bread of life, the life-changing message of Christ, and she began to sob even more. And she said, you know, you told me about God and his love for me, but it wasn't until you showed me that it really changed my life. I wonder today in this season that you would go forth to abide and to testify, to be that garden in progress in the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Oh God, speak to our hearts in this time of worship in this journey of Lent, how we ask that your spirit would come into our hearts, work in our midst, O God, that we may be those fruitful believers and Christ followers you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen.